0: Thanks, guys. (laughs) Um, Having Dave Robinson come up, he's going to read for us this morning. We're starting a new series this morning on the life of Solomon. And so uh, we're gonna be in First Kings, the first several chapters of First Kings for the next six weeks. So I'm excited to explore the life of Solomon. uh, This morning will be an interesting experiment. We're just gonna plow through the first chapter of First Kings to kind of get this historical background and how is it that uh, Solomon came to become king. Uh, And so we're gonna jump in and uh, see where the next six weeks takes us. And then starting the Sunday after Labor Day weekend, we're going to start a new series for three years. How does that sound? Exciting, yeah? I, I'm tentatively calling it Three Years with Jesus. Uh, I think Jesus had some disciples for about that period of time. Uh, so I think it would be really fascinating to spend three years with Jesus. Uh, And it'll be uh, basically three years during the school year, September through May. And then summers will look different. We'll uh, uh, study different texts or have different series. Um, That doesn't mean we take the summer off from Jesus. (laughs) It just means that's the way the series is going to go. So I'm really excited to explore that more with you. I want to share more with you uh, on what that will look like. And uh, as Christine hinted, uh, we're looking at the potential of what this could mean for the entire church. Our youth group is going to do it. So middle school and high school will be looking at the same texts every Sunday that we look at here in this room. Uh, And uh, we're still navigating what it might look like for children's ministry to integrate uh, this curriculum and and this three years of Jesus into what they do. So stay tuned. Um, Before we jump into 1 Kings 1, how did the story workshop go yesterday?
1: The story workshop, I'm wondering, this is spontaneous, would anyone who was there like to give a brief report in one or two sentences? Juji, Major liberties here, sorry yeah. Matt. Sweet. Great. Thank you. Well, that's how it went.
0: That's how it went. So uh, because, so um, last Sunday we learned that this like a lot of people are very interested in this so much so that you scheduled another one which is August nineteenth. August nineteenth. Three weeks. Saturday, August nineteenth. So if you weren't at the one yesterday, see Dave about uh, Saturday, August nineteenth to be a part of the. Story workshop. All right. Let me say a word of prayer and we'll jump into First Kings one. God, thank you. Thank you that we can open this text, your scriptures. And look at this story from thousands of years ago and the way through human history and often very deeply broken humans you work. So God, guide us by your spirit this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, let's jump in.
1: When King David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm even when they put covers over him. Okay.
0: So uh, if you remember, last summer we did a series through the early years of King David and so we explored the life of David before he became king and ultimately to the point where he became king. We didn't look at the second half of David's life. And I thought about doing a series uh, on the second half of David's life, uh, but I decided, let, let's, let's do Solomon. Uh, so w- what you've missed is David got old. Uh, and uh, the narrator is explaining to us, David's old now, uh, and he can't keep warm. And so this is an interesting uh, thing that the narrator is telling us, and I'll uh, flesh that out a little bit more in a second.
1: So his servants said to him, let us look for a young virgin to attend to the king and take care of him. She can lie beside him so that our lord the king may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful. He took care of, she took care of the king and waited on him. But the king had no intimate relations with her.
0: Okay. So I- imagine you're this girl. I- is this something you want to do? Lie next to an old man? Uh, probably not. Uh, so th- this is the way life was back then. Uh, and this is... Kings got what they wanted. Now, uh, every commentary I looked at, I'm not just making this up, every commentary I looked at said, could not keep warm was a euphemism for, he couldn't make it happen in bed. Uh, So basically, in that time period, if a king could not perform in bed, it was believed that a king could no longer perform his kingly duties. And so, because it's believed that King David can no longer perform his kingly duties, there, King David carries a gravitas to him, doesn't he? I mean, he is deeply loved and deeply honored in Israel. And so, what we're, what we're going to look at is this uh, narrative of what's going to happen now. Does King David still have gravitas? Does his word still matter? Or will someone come forward and try to usurp the throne and take over? Uh, As we read through this text, because it's a fairly long text, uh, I want you to imagine this like a movie. Uh, Imagine the plot line. Imagine what's going on if you were watching this on the screen. Imagine uh, King David being old and, and him sending out people to go find The most beautiful woman they could find and bring her back to him. Imagine David's sons and what's going on. Imagine the the characters that this text is going to talk about uh, and what they're doing behind the scenes to try to make things happen that will benefit them. Okay?
1: Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king.
0: Okay. So Adonijah decides, I'm going to be king. My father can no longer do what he's supposed to do as king, and so I will be king. And he, the, the narrator is very clear. There, there's details that the narrator tells us that are really specific that we should pay attention to. And one of those details is that the narrator says that Adonijah put himself forth. He, he didn't wait for his father to say, you're my oldest living son, so you should be king, Uh, he put himself forth and said, I will be king. And now, uh, Adonijah has uh, a legitimate argument about being king, because he's the oldest living son. Uh, Let's just look at David's sons. Amnon was David's firstborn son. So... By by all rights, Amnon would be the next king. Uh, But here's the thing, and we see this all through the history uh, of Israel's kings. Uh, Many of them struggle with this little thing called self-control. That one fruit of the Spirit, Paul tells us in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, one of them is self-control. Can you imagine if we all just lived into that one fruit of the Spirit? How different our lives would be if when something grabs us, we don't automatically react. But we trust that God's Spirit really is for us and really is in us and that we can respond different, differently than that immediate guttural reaction that we want to give. Uh, So many relationships would be preserved if we lived into self-control. So many of the characters in the Hebrew Scriptures lack that one virtue, self-control. And it destroyed them. It absolutely destroyed them. Amnon, lacked self-control. He, uh, he had a half-sister named Tamar. And he was attracted to her, and so he raped her. That's what Amnar did. And so Absalom, who is actually David's third-born son, Absalom was the full brother of Tamar. Absalom lacked self-control. He killed Amnon for raping his sister. And so Absalom was basically kicked out of the kingdom. He had to live outside of the kingdom. And years later, Absalom would come back angry with his father and basically overthrow David. Took all of David's concubines and sat on the throne. And and David then was exiled for a time before David came back and overthrew Absalom. And eventually, Absalom was killed. Uh, David's second-born son, Chiliab, we don't hardly know anything about. It's believed that he probably died when he was a young child. Uh, That leaves Adonijah as David's oldest living son. And so he puts himself forward. I'll be king. The problem is Adonijah is vying for the throne. He's going about it the wrong way, isn't he? He has not waited for his father's blessing. He has not waited to uh, be honored by his father as the heir to the throne. And so then we also have down the line Solomon. So Adonijah has put himself forward and he says, I will be king.
1: So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of...
0: Zeruiah. This is why I asked you to read, Dave.
1: Okay. I'm just going to blow through these and mispronounce them. Uh, Son of Zeruiah... And with Abiathar the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Benaniah of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimmai and Rei, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Okay.
0: So Adonijah uh, begins to do some things uh, to make himself his king with horses and chariots, and he uh, secures some supporters. This is really important for Adonijah to do because if he doesn't have support to be king, there's no way he's going to be king, right? And so uh, if I can have the next slide, we have kind of some sides of the conflict building up. Uh, Adonijah has Joab. Joab is David's top military man. And so he has the top military man. That's very important in this culture to secure the military. And Adonijah has done so. He has Abiathar, the priest. He has all of his brothers, except for for Solomon, which we'll learn soon, and royal officials. Now, Solomon, even though Solomon hasn't uh, been mentioned yet, has a list of people who at least aren't supporting Adonijah. At this moment, go
1: ahead. Nick. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zohaleth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judith who were, uh, who were royal officials. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, or Benaniah the special guard, or his brother Solomon.
0: Okay. So it seems Adonijah has a good sense of who will support him and who won't. So he invites all the people who will support him, but doesn't invite the the people who he knows won't support him. And so we can sense this conflict building and, and what's going on. Now again, just imagine this watching this on screen and all the characters, all the players here, making their moves and what they're doing. Adonijah has made the first move, and he set himself up as king. He's got supporters. And so now Nathan is going to make the counter
1: move. Then Nathan, the prophet, asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king without without our Lord David's knowing it?
0: Now notice, uh, David mentions Adonijah's mother. Uh, I mean, just again, imagine living in this culture, and you're a wife of the king who also has many other wives. How do you feel about the other wives? Uh, Might be not the best relationship with other wives of your husband. And so Nathan mentions the mother of Adonijah and basically is saying, listen, Whoever is king, their mother is going to have great power. And whoever is king, their mother will most certainly survive. This is a dangerous moment for everyone involved. Whoever becomes king holds the power of life and death for many people.
1: Now then, let me advise you on how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go into King David and say to him, my lord the king, did you not swear to me, that, uh, to me, your servant? Surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? While you are still talking to the king, I will come in and confirm what you have said.
0: Okay, so Nathan comes up with a plan, and the plan is... Bathsheba, you go in first and ask this, pose this question. Didn't you promise this to me? Now, interestingly, uh, we don't see this anywhere in the scriptures. We we never see David promise Bathsheba that Solomon will be king. This is the first time it's mentioned as coming out of David's mouth. And And Nathan is posing it as a question, like a suggestion. So we don't know what has happened behind the scenes. Has David actually promised this? Uh... And has Bathsheba shared that with Nathan? Or is this a way of vying to get Solomon on the throne? We, we don't know how this has happened. Uh, is there a plot that, oh, David's an old man now, and so if you put this suggestion in his mind, he'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe I did promise that. We don't know exactly how this came about. But Nathan, his plan is Bathsheba, you go in first, and then after you go in, I'll back you up, and I'll come in.
1: So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him.
0: Okay, so not a mistake that the narrator mentioned Abishag again. Imagine Bathsheba. You are the beloved wife of the king, and the place you used to be, you've now been replaced by someone younger.
1: Bathsheba bowed low and knelt before the king. What is it you want, the king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his fathers, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. Okay.
0: So, Bathsheba, the, the question posed by Nathan in verse 13 has now become fact in Bathsheba as she poses it to David. And, and she adds to Nathan's suggestion, and she shares some things that would rightly disturb David. One, uh, I just set himself up as king, and you don't even know it. Uh, this is not okay. Uh, me, Bathsheba, and, and Solomon, we're in danger. Our lives are in danger. We'll be made out to be criminals if Adonijah is allowed to be king. There's all these inner workings going on that we don't always see clearly. We don't know the character of Adonijah, but Bathsheba seems to know it. And she, what she knows, or her perspective of Adonijah is, if he becomes king, he will treat us as criminals, and we could lose our lives. All of Israel is waiting for your word, David. So from Bathsheba's perspective, David still carries great gravitas. What he says will happen.
1: While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived. And they told the king, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, Have you, my lord the king, declared Adonijah shall be king after you, and that he will sit on your throne? Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves, and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking with him, saying, long-lived King Adonijah. But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehoi, Jehodiah, and your servant Solomon he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Okay.
0: So uh, Nathan comes in, backs up Bathsheba, and starts asking David questions. Uh, Nathan is brilliant at how he approaches things. He's posing questions, putting it back on the king, rather than making demands. And he's letting King David know, listen, that this is your choice, but you need to act. By just posing questions, he's putting the pressure on King David to be decisive and to act decisively and speak the word. Uh, the, The thing with Nathan, he's a prophet, And part of the role of the prophet is to speak truth to power. Nathan has no fear before a king. This is the same Nathan that confronted David after David committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is the same Nathan who confronted David uh, for killing Bathsheba's husband, or in essence, killing her husband. And so he, he is not afraid of King David, and he is willing to speak truth to power, and willing to name, this is what's going on. Have you allowed this? He knows David hasn't allowed it, but he's putting it back on the king to act decisively and to do something about it.
1: Then King David said, call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out today what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed low with her face to the ground and kneeling before the king said, May my lord, the king David, live forever. And so here
0: David uh, promises, okay, this is what will happen. Uh, And Solomon will become king. I will hold to that. And I will make Solomon king.
1: King David said, Call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. When they had come before the king, he said to them, Take your lord's Lord's servants with you, and set Solomon my son on my own mule, and take him down to Gihon. There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him, and he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah.
0: Okay. So uh, notice, who's a character in this story who we haven't seen yet who hasn't said anything? Solomon. Solomon's completely absent. He, he's being talked about by other people, but he's not there at all. Uh, And so this is really interesting. Adonijah has put himself forward as king. He's had horses and chariots. He's gathered people to his side who will support him. Uh, Solomon's not out there vying for the throne himself. It is others who are vying for him. And it is now David who says... He will ride on my mule. He will sit on my throne, and he will lead in my place. Solomon has waited for the blessing of his father. He has not put himself forward. He has not said, I should be king. He has waited for his father to speak the word, albeit by people like Nathan and Bathsheba behind the scenes uh, convincing David that he needs to do this, but Solomon is absent from this en- com- entire narrative. He hasn't said a single thing. He hasn't appeared at all in this story yet.
1: Beniah, son of Jehoiada, and, uh, answered the king, "Amen. May the Lord, the God, may the Lord, the God of my lord the king." So declare it, as the Lord was with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon, make his throne even greater than the throne of my lord David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Kerethites, and the Pelethites went down and put Solomon on King David's mule and escorted him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon, Then they they sounded the trumpet, and all the people shouted, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing flutes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound.
0: Okay. Uh, What we see now is that indeed King David still holds gravitas. He still holds authority. He speaks the word. And it happens. And the people rejoice. This is significantly different than the approach Adonijah took. Adonijah set himself up as king. He hasn't been anointed by anyone. And here, Solomon is anointed by Zadok and Nathan. And the people rejoice. And they shout, long live King Solomon. I wonder what Adonijah is going to do.
1: Funny you should ask. <laughs> Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing their feast. On hearing the sound of the trumpet, Joab asked, "What is the meaning of all the all the noise in the city?" Even as he was speaking, Jonathan, son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Adonijah said, "Come in. A worthy man like you must be bringing good news." Not at all, Jonathan answered. Our Lord, the king, uh, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king, has, the king has sent him with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Carathites and the Parathites, and they have put him on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. From there they have gone up cheering, and the city resounds with it. That's the noise you hear. Moreover, Solomon has taken his seat on the royal throne. Also, the royal officials have come to congratulate our Lord King David, saying, may your God make Solomon's name more famous than yours and his throne greater than yours. And the king bowed in worship on his bed and said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has allowed my eyes to see a successor on my throne today. Okay,
0: so Adonijah and his party guests hear all this noise and celebration going on, and then Jonathan walks in and, oh, you must be bringing good news. Surely everyone is celebrating that I'm going to be king. And Jonathan's like, "Uh, not so much, not so much. Uh, Imagine what Adonijah's feeling. Uh, Imagine what all his supporters are feeling. These people who felt like, yep, we're supporting that in Aija because he's the stronger candidate, he for sure will be king, and we're going to get our positions of power with him now uh, so that we can secure our support with him and be on his side because he's going to be king, and it's not turning out that way.
1: At this all Adonijah's guests rose in alarm and dispersed.
0: Oops. Uh, There went all your supporters. I mean, just picture this scene. They're having a party. They're celebrating. Adonijah, yeah, you're king. You're king. Long live King Adonijah. And then they hear this report that David has spoken the word and Solomon has become king and he's been anointed as king. And not only that, but he is now sitting on the throne and everyone's like going out by the back door. We're out of here. They are very quick to get out of there, to save their own skin, and to shift their allegiance to Solomon.
1: But Adonijah, in fear of Solomon, went and took hold of the horns of the altar.
0: Okay, horns of the altar. If I can have the next slide, Uh, this is an altar. And so sacrifices would be put in the middle of that on the four corners. You can see the horns. Now the horns uh, in biblical tradition, if someone went to the horns of the altar and held to the horns of the altar, that was a place of sanctuary. And so if someone wanted you dead and you ran to the altar and grabbed hold of the horns of the altar, uh, your life was supposed to be spared. And so now Solomon, who is king, has a hard decision to make. He needs to decide, am I going to honor sanctuary and let Adonijah live, or do I kill him? If I honor sanctuary, Adonijah will continue to be a threat to me. Uh, If I kill him, I can just be done with it. And so Solomon needs to make a choice of which way he will go.
1: Then Solomon was told, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon and is clinging to the horns of the altar. He says, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon replied, if he shows himself to be a worthy man, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. Even if evil is found in him, he will die. Oh, oh, sorry, but if evil is found in him, he will die. Then King Solomon went, sent men, and they brought him down from the altar. And Adonijah came and bowed down to King Solomon. And Solomon said, go to your home. OK.
0: Uh, long chapter. Uh, I hope you were able to picture it. Uh, I mean, imagine if this, w- this would make a great movie, wouldn't it? Paul, are you writing it in your mind? Yeah? OK. Awesome. I can't wait to see it. Uh, it. It would just be a spectacular film to watch, what's going on in this biblical text. Um, and so as I reflect on the story, I was thinking, uh, okay, what are, some, what are some takeaways for us as we think about this? One, for me, is certainly uh, the fruit of the Spirit self-control that we talked about. What does it look like to embody self-control, to not be reactionary, uh, but to respond with grace. Uh, we, we already see the beginnings of what Solomon's reign might look like when the only line he's given in this entire chapter is to, when he speaks to Adonijah uh, and says, go home, basically. But it, for, for Solomon, when he speaks to his men, he, he says, um, If Adonijah pledges loyalty to me, he can live. But if I even see a little bit of evil in him, he's dead. He's gone. Uh, And so already Solomon has this kind of really black and white, cutthroat way of looking at things. Uh, And so it'll be interesting to see how Solomon continues to rule and reign. Uh, Another thing for me I love how somehow God will work and accomplish his purposes, even through the scheming and brokenness of humanity. Uh, It is the people who ask God for a king. God was their king, and the people kept asking for a king. They asked Samuel, we want a king to be like all the other nations. And God warned them, don't do it. Don't do it. If you do it, this is what will happen. And basically, uh, your your children will be enslaved. Your people will be enslaved. This king will rule ruthlessly. And they said, we want a king. We still want a king to be like the other nations. So God has given them what they wanted, even though it's not God's best for them. And they got Saul, and they got David, and now they have Solomon. Uh, They have a king like they wanted, and God wants to continue to work through human history and continue to work through human brokenness. And, And this gives me great hope for all of us in our deep brokenness, that God still works His purposes and desires to bring hope and healing and beauty out of the brokenness. And that ultimately, what this story is leading us to is the true great king. That that God had told them, I am your king, and that a human king won't work. And even despite their insistence, we want a human king, God said, okay. And he gave them David, and he promised them, on David's throne, the seed of David, one will come and rule and reign and bring peace. Uh, Isaiah talked about this in uh, Isaiah 9. He said, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever more. God is promising, hey, all these human kings, the human kings you wanted, here they are, but I'm telling you, a king is coming who will rule with justice and righteousness. He will bring the peace that we have longed for. This king is coming. And he will end up on a throne which is a Roman cross. But that won't be the end of the story. As Hebrews tells us, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It is this king, King Jesus, who is enthroned on a cross and is now enthroned heaven and brings us peace. The only peace possible comes through this Jesus who provided purification for sins, conquered death, rose from the grave, and sits enthroned in heaven. This is the true king. And and so when we look at these ancient stories, like the story of Solomon, and Solomon uh, means shalom, peace, it's always pointing us forward to the true king and the one who would come and fulfill all our deepest longings. And so this morning as we come and take the bread and dip it in the cup, we remember this king as Hebrew says, provided purification for sins and sat down on the throne in heaven. That This is what we do when we come and take the bread and dip it in this cup, we remember, we remember what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, freeing us from sin, freeing us from brokenness, freeing us from heartache and empowering us by God's spirit to live the life God has called us to live right here, right now, as we long for and await that King to come and make all things new. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for these stories that are preserved for us. And God, I pray that you would give us great wisdom from you and how these things apply to our own lives and ultimately, God, how to see Jesus in all of it. God, we long to be a people who live as you created us to live. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection and that it is Jesus who is the true king, who sits enthroned in the heavens. God, this morning as we come and partake of the bread and the cup, Fill us anew with your hope and your love. Remind us of all that you have done for us. Remind us that even in our deep brokenness, you are working to bring about your good purposes. God, free us from sin. Make us a people that live into the fruits of the Spirit. God, give us self-control. Give us love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. Create in us new hearts. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.